I want you to open your Bible today to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to read today from the Passion Translation, and I'm going to get on your nerves and read the whole chapter. And um, yeah, I want to preach a message today called Advancing in Adversity. I want you to help me, first of all, welcome our Athens family. Come on, tell Athens good morning. It's so good to have the Athens family with us this morning. I'm grateful that you're there, and uh, we're family, and we're connected by the Spirit and through the blessing of technology. Listen, before I get into the Word, let me say this to both campuses. Um, Today is a really awesome day. This is the first day that we've had church since we installed our upgrade for sound and video. Now, it doesn't make a tremendous difference in this room because our sound in this room is the same, but our video and our online is going to another level. And I want you to help me thank God for all the friends and partners of this house and this ministry who are helping us and have helped us to make that investment. Come on, we need to really give God thanks. And so it's going to just keep getting better, and I thank God for Chad Madden and for the entire uh, video and production team that make this happen every single Sunday. I just want to say how thankful we are. You know that we're getting starting to get letters in from, from Chattanooga region and from the Atlanta region where we've been on television. I just found out last night that we have a whole group, 60 inmates from Bledsoe Correctional Facility who every Sunday morning get up at 6 a.m to watch the TV broadcast on CW and they're hearing the gospel. Come on, y'all. And they just, listen, this is crazy, but they told me that they've been asking for the sermon notes that we give in house fire and they have to handwrite them. They don't even have a photocopy machine, but they handwrite out all the notes and they spread them out. Something good is happening in Bledsoe County, even if it is in prison. How many are thankful that the word of God knows no prison, amen? So I give God thanks for that. I give God thanks for that. And today we just want to rejoice and give the Lord praise. I want to preach today um, from 2 Timothy chapter 3. And my message today is advancing in adversity. Look at someone tell them, advance in adversity. Now I'm going to read uh, quite a bit of scripture here. We need this whole chapter. It'll bless you. And some people haven't got their Bible reading in for the week. So we're going to get it right here. Amen. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1, when you got it, say amen. Paul says, but you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce. People will be self-centered lovers of themselves and obsessed with money. They will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. They will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander, slaves to their desires. They will be ferocious belligerent haters of what is good and right. With brutal treachery, they will act without restraint, bigoted, wrapped in clouds of their own conceit. They will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than in the pleasures of the loving God. They may pretend to have a respect for God, but in reality they won't nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from people like these. For they are the ones who worm their way into the hearts of vulnerable women, spending the night with those who are captured by their lust and steeped in sin. They are always learning, but never discovering the revelation knowledge of truth. Mm. History has given us an example of this with the Egyptian sorcerers, Janus and Jambres, 
who stood against Moses in their arrogance. So it will be in the last days with those who reject the faith with their corrupt minds and arrogant hearts standing against the truth of God. But they will not advance. They will not advance. For everyone will see their madness just as they did with Janus and Jambres. Keep going. But you, this is who I came to talk to, but you, RTTN, but you, people of God, but you, child of God, but you, Timothy, you have closely followed my example and the truth that I imparted to you. You have modeled your life after the love and endurance I have demonstrated in my ministry by not giving up the faith that I have, you now have. What I have hungered for in life has now become your longing as well. The patience I have with others, you now demonstrate. Look at this. And the same persecutions and difficulties I have endured, you have also endured yourself. Yes, you know all about what I had to suffer while in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. You are aware of all the persecution I endured there, yet the Lord delivered me from every single, I wish I could find someone to get thankful that the Lord delivered him from every single one of them. For all who choose to live godly as worshipers of Jesus, the anointed one, will also experience persecution. Keep going. But the evil men and sorcerers will progress from bad to worse, deceived and being deceived as they lead people further from the truth. But the next verse is huge. Yet you, somebody say I, somebody say me, somebody say we, we must continue to advance. We must continue to advance in strength with the truth wrapped around our heart, being assured by God that he's the one who has truly taught you all these things. Keep going. Remember what you were taught from your childhood, from the Holy Scriptures which can impart to you wisdom to experience everlasting life through the faith of Jesus, the anointed one. Every Scripture has been inspired by the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, and it will empower you by its instruction and correction, giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. I'm almost through, but this is blessing my soul today. Then you will be God's servant, fully mature, perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment God gives you. Somebody give God praise for his word today. Somebody give God praise for his word today. Advancing in adversity. Let's pray. Jesus, help us in your name. Amen. You can be seated. Advancing in adversity. 2 Timothy, along with 1 Timothy and the book of Titus are what we call pastoral epistles. All three of them are written by the Apostle Paul to two of his spiritual sons, namely Timothy and Titus, who had become leaders and pastors of churches that Paul had planted while he was on his missionary journey. And after he had successfully planted these congregations, he would leave the churches that he had planted and he would move to his next assignment in the kingdom of God. But he did not leave those churches without leadership. He placed his spiritual sons, Timothy and Titus, over these churches and he gave these two men the authority to lead these congregations into the destiny and the purpose that Jesus had already predetermined for them. Understanding the challenges and difficulties of being a pastor and a leader in the kingdom of God and advancing the kingdom of God in hostile environments, Paul took these letters as an opportunity to write for the purpose of strengthening, exhorting, and giving instruction to these two spiritual sons as they led their congregations. 
And in all three of these books, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and the book of Titus, in all three of them, he not only gives them wisdom in how to pastor churches and in how to structure congregations, but he, always, he also takes the opportunity to speak into their spirit and encourage them on their journey. Because no matter, no matter how gifted we are, no matter how successful we are, no matter how great one season of life can be, Paul is absolutely aware of the fact that the people of God need to be encouraged on their journey. How many would agree with me and with Paul that life has a way of trying to wear you down? Life has a way of trying to zap you and suck the strength out of you. And, 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 and we, we almost have to at times reach for reasons to hope and lunge for reasons to keep going. And Paul knows that Timothy and Titus are both in need of being encouraged and strengthened. Timothy needed to be reminded because some church historians believe, listen to this, Timothy's church and all of those home church connected to it, some believe that Timothy's church was as large as 15,000 people. How many know that's a big church? And obviously they didn't do it like we do it today, but Timothy had a tremendous responsibility. He had a tremendous assignment on his life. And Paul knew that he would be met with adversity. He would be met with opposition. But he wanted Timothy to know that no matter what comes against you, there is enough kingdom power inside of you to help you advance the kingdom and finish the assignment even in the midst of adversity. And today I am thankful that Paul's encouragement to Timothy becomes the Spirit's encouragement to you and me that no matter what happens in this life, if God ever starts something in your life, he is God enough and great enough and powerful enough to finish what he started. Can you say amen? Now Paul says... Paul does not sugarcoat this, and I appreciate Paul because there is enough sugarcoating right now in the kingdom of God. We want to preach a message that is well-received and embraced by the multitudes, and I am terribly convinced we are preaching a Christianity that is not biblical in many instances. Christianity never meant uh, to be preached in a way that, it, that you and I are exempt from the troubles and trials and the vicissitudes and the challenges of life. I wish I could tell you if you got saved, everything turns up tulips and the path is paved with peanut butter and jelly, but the reality of it is Christians sometimes go through difficult, unexplainable things. It's adversity, it's challenging, it's trying. And I, I sometimes, and you sometimes, may have more questions than you do answers. And the enemy seeks to exploit our questions and our wondering and our worry. And we find ourselves sometimes saying, God, I thought we were tight. What's going on here? There will be adversity. There will be challenging, difficult moments in our life. And Paul takes a moment to encourage Timothy. And he tells him the truth about the journey. He says, Timothy, in the last days, in the moments of your life, there will be perilous, dangerous, fierce times. Now, I know y'all don't want me to preach this today, and I know that someone will come along with another podcast that will make you feel like what I'm teaching you today is irrelevant and unnecessary, but file what I'm telling you because I know, it's to be, I know it to be true. It's the Word of God. There will be challenging times for you in your future. There will be challenging times in the earth. There will be moments in society, the, the text said in the Passion Translation, there will be moments in society, in the culture in which we live, where we find ourselves surrounded by perilous, dangerous, what the Passion Translation says, fierce days. Now, this is a unique word, fierce. Everyone say fierce. 
Um, the passion says fierce. The Greek word is kalepos. Kalepos. And it's only used one other time in the entire Bible. It's found in the Gospel of St. Matthew, the 8th chapter, when Jesus tells his disciples, let's get in a boat and go over on the other side of the lake. And you know the story. They get in a boat and they get out on the lake. A storm comes. They think they're going to die. They wake up Jesus. Hey, come get us. We're dying. He stands up, rebukes the storm, and then he says, where is your faith? And then they get to the other side. They walk off the boat. They get into this land of what the Bible calls the Gadarenes. And your Bible says in the book of Matthew, the 8th chapter, watch, two men came out of caves and were fierce, dangerous men. And because they lived in that region, watch this, nobody would pass through that region. They were so dangerous. They were so Kalipos, that nobody wanted to go to the land of the Gadarenes because of the men that were demon-possessed and full of devils and, and they lived in caves and cut themselves and it would, if you've ever seen anything that looked like a zombie thing in the Bible, this is the zombie. They come out out of a cave. Jesus gets off a boat. They come out of the cave and their eyes are sunk back in their head and their demons are all inside of them and nobody would go that way but Jesus because Jesus is not afraid of the fierce climate he is not afraid of the dangerous places he is not intimidated by the perilous uh, situation because he knows that if I'm on an assignment from God these two men full of the devil cannot kill me until I finish the assignment that I have been given this is the same word to describe the kind of day that Timothy and I and you would find ourselves in a day that is perilous, dangerous, full of, 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 of opportunities of danger that uh, it's just like setting out. This is so awesome to me. It's, how many ever seen The Goonies? Anybody ever seen The Goonies? The Goonies is my top favorite movie of all time. All time. I can tell you every word of Goonies. When I sit down and watch it, I rehearse the whole thing. It's like launching out on this dangerous expedition and, and, and you're looking for, you're looking for the, 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 the prize and you got to go through all kind of danger to get there but you can make it because it's your assignment and God would never call you to something that he wouldn't successfully bring you through to the end hallelujah yes and so so Paul tells Timothy these are extremely fierce times I want you to look at this why would the times become so perilous why would the day become so dangerous he tells us in verse 2, and he uses a three-letter Greek word to do it. It's the Greek word gar, G-A-R. Some translations in the English say for. Watch this. Don't miss this connection. This is massively important. In the last days, fierce, perilous, dangerous times will come for conjunction because of. He's telling us why the days become dangerous and the times become fierce and perilous. The times become fierce and perilous because men become ungodly. Now, I want you to hear what I'm telling you today. Men are not evil because times are perilous. Times are perilous because men are evil. You read this and some people say, well, men are just going to get evil. You read all that what Paul said. Men are going to get totally evil because the times are perilous. As if there was some set time that just makes men become evil in which we can blame it on the times. Don't blame it on the we're, listen to me, we are not, we, men are not evil because the times are perilous. The times are perilous because men have turned their back on God which is really good news because if they ever turn their heart back to God, times don't have to be perilous anymore. Oh, I think I'll preach today for souls. I think I'll preach today for salvation. I think I'll preach today for people to turn to Jesus because no matter how dark and perilous your life may be, if you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Someone give him praise in this room today. 
there's still hope. Oh, Lord God, you better hear me. There's still hope for America. There's still hope for Chattanooga. There's still hope for Generation X, Y, and Z. God's not through yet. Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. Rarely does Paul take the time to catalog the activity of evil and the demeanor of such a godless society, but he does. He takes the time to articulate just what kind of people are loose in perilous times. Now, I want you to understand something. People manifest principalities, but you and I don't wrestle people. And there's a lot of people wrestling going on right now. And a lot of the garbage I'm seeing is happening in the kingdom. You don't have to say amen. It's the truth. You know what one of the most liberating things I've done in the last five years of my life is? I'm in the middle of it right now. I am off social media. <laughs> it's wonderful. Can I tell you something else? For the most part, with the exception of two articles that I read about uh, therapies and vaccines for COVID, I haven't watched or looked at the news in 14 days. Can I tell you what? I'm sleeping better, my blood pressure is lower, and I love people that used to get tremendously get on my nerves because now I don't read their garbage and they don't offend me. And that means when I see them in the Piggly Wiggly, instead of avoiding them, I can smile at them and love them because I don't even know what ignorant thing they've said to make me mad. Hallelujah. Some of us are in a wrestling match with people and you're not going to win. Stay here, Wallace. So Paul takes time to describe the kind of activity going on in an evil, perilous, fierce, treacherous, dangerous day. People will be self-centered, lovers of themselves, obsessed with money. Oh yeah, I'm going to read it again. Because some of us haven't felt convicted and when you read this kind of stuff, you start taking inventory. They'll boast of great things as they strut around in arrogant pride, mocking all that is right. They ignore their own families, ungrateful and ungodly. They this is crazy. They become addicted to hateful and malicious slander, slaves to their desires, ferocious, belligerent, hating all that is good and right, with brutal treachery, acting without restraint. Bigoted, wrapped in clouds of conceit, they will find their delight in the pleasures of the world more than the pleasures of the loving God. Having a form of godliness, pretending to have a respect for God, but in reality they want nothing to do with God's power. And what does Paul say you do? What does Paul say I do when we encounter these kind of people? Stay away from them. Now, I want you to understand that there is uh, an evangelistic quality about keeping connection with people because sometimes people who don't know God, how many know if you don't know God, you've got to come into contact somebody that knows God so that they can introduce you to God? Okay, like seven of y'all, but it's growing, it's good. Because we live in a moment where now the, the clergy has been the hired hand that does all of our ministry for us, and now Pastor Gary is our evangelism guy, and Pastor Kevin is our pastor apostle guy, and Pastor Tobin is our worship guy. And because we have all of our guys and we have all of our staff, they do our ministry for us. But you do the work of an evangelist. You you have the ministry of reconciliation. God saved you and connected you to the life of God that is in Christ so that you can walk out those doors Monday through Saturday and tell the greatest story that has ever been told. Be motivated to share the good news. Win souls. He that winneth souls is wise. But I want to tell you something. I can be evangelistic without having to be best friends and chums and snuggle up to people who are poison to my soul. You show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And if you want to be connected to a bunch of bigot, bigoted, 
Uh huh. Loud mouth, conceited, arrogant, proud, non God loving kind of people. Then do not be confused as to why your joy level runs low and your peace meter runs low and there's nothing good happening in your life. You've got to make sure you're connected to people who are moving in the same direction you're moving. Paul didn't say snuggle up to them. Paul said don't have anything to do with them. Why? Because their corruption has a way of poisoning the purity that is in you. And God will give us wisdom as to how to be evangelistic and yet not be overrun and overcome by the darkness that is in the world. In the world, the old saints used to say, but not of the world. You are the light of the world. If you don't talk and you don't share the good news, it's a really dark world we're living in. Amen. So he says, he says, these are the kind of people and I don't want you to have anything to do with them. Now, he says something powerful in the ninth verse, after he talks about the behavior of wicked and godless people and how out of control they are and how perilous the times are that they produce, he says something very encouraging to me. He says in verse 9, but they will not advance. This is good news. I want you to know that the enemy is still on God's leash. I think theologically it's important to reestablish this fact in your hearing and for your heart. Satan and his kingdom are not on the same level as Jesus and his kingdom. We are not dealing with a devil who is equal to Jesus having a fight on planet earth trying to determine who's going to win so that the battle in the end can be won. This thing is already won. If there were ever a time when hell had the upper hand, it was on Friday and Saturday when they hung him high and they stretched Jesus wide and he dropped his head in the locks of his shoulders and he gave up the ghost and they peeled his dead, rigor mortis ridden body off the cross, wrapped him in grave clothes, placed him in the tomb of Joseph, demons howled and hissed and the devil threw a party and they said, we got him. But I want to tell you on Sunday, Sunday morning, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose the victor over the dark domain. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is alive. It's not going to be finished. It's already finished. We're not going to win. We've already won. Keep the faith. Stay in the fight. He that has begun a good work in you will finish what he started. Jesus, give him praise in this room right now. Hallelujah. Well, they will not advance. The enemy is on a leash and he has given delegated permissive authority which means any authority the devil has came because God gave it to him. I want to say this to you. If it ever gets to you, it went through his hand, God, first. The enemy cannot advance. I've been saying this for a couple of weeks now, but the enemy cannot advance past the point that God said he could advance. You don't believe me? Read the book of Job. You can do this devil, but you can't do that. You can do this Satan, but you can't do that. Which means this. It means two things. There are some things that are going to come that feel like the end of life, but they're not. And there are some things that you're going to go through that the enemy is going to think this will take him or her out. I got news for the devil. 
no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. This ain't just good TV talk. This is the truth of God's word. I once was young and now I'm old. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. Some of you need to be encouraged today. God started something in you. The devil wants you to think you're in just because you're not what you're going to be that you'll never become what you're going to be. You need to take a praise break in the middle of this message and thank God that although you're not what you're going to be yet, you're not who you used to be. You've come, oh come, you've come a long way and God's not finished with you yet. Jesus. The enemy cannot advance. There are men and women. I had a vision. I was preaching in Florida. Oh, Dev, when was it? Two weeks ago. I was preaching in Florida. While I was preaching, I got a, I got a picture, a vision of people. I didn't see their faces. I saw people sitting at a round table having conversations about how to destroy and how to bring uh, the end and how to conquer the Lord and his work on the earth. And do you know what the Lord showed me while I was seeing this vision? Because it's in the Bible. He laughed. When they sit in their boardrooms and conspire, how they'll take God out of society, how they'll take Jesus out of society, how they'll remove the voice of the redeemed out of the earth. When they sit in their rooms and in a hidden place, they try to conspire how they'll end the plan of God. God doesn't pop Prozac. God doesn't drink a fifth of liquor. God doesn't run and hide. God leans back in his recliner and he laughs at the thought of feeble-minded men who believe they have something against Jehovah God. I tell you, he has all power. He has all authority. He laughs at the plans of the enemy. Hallelujah. I feel like preaching. They will not advance. Say that with me. They will not advance. When you see evil people conspiring and drawing up their plans, it will not advance. Why? Because everyone will see their madness. Do you know what it is? They try to hide, but in due time, God rips the cover off and reveals the schemes and the strategies of the devil. So he's talking about all of these people and the issues of these perilous days and the behavior and the demeanor and the disposition of society when days are evil. Days are evil because men are evil. And he says these evil people under the auspice of these principalities. I remember I told you a moment ago, people need principalities. Oh, pardon me. Principalities need people to manifest through. Every principality has a personality to manifest through. And the quicker you recognize your enemy is not flesh and blood, but the, but the thing operating through flesh and blood, the quicker you'll get victory because God will never give you authority over flesh and blood. He gives you authority over demon spirits. Now watch this. He changes his attention from the behavior and the demeanor and the disposition of a chaotic, crazy society and culture. And then he says, but you, Timothy, but you. How do we advance in adversity? I'm going to give you four things, write these four things down very quickly. All that was the introduction. Okay, here we go. Number one, can you put verse 10 up on the screen for me, brothers, please? How do I advance in adversity? Because I'm going to go through some adversity in my life, and I need to know, how do I keep moving forward? How many want to keep moving forward? I said, how many want to keep moving forward? Even in the middle of COVID, dear God, church, He's still the king of glory. We're still moving forward. Jesus did not take a break. 
I think some people are thinking God has punched the time clock right now. And he's on some break somewhere. He's still on the throne and the kingdom of God is still moving forward. How do we keep moving forward? He tells us four things. But you, Timothy, say, but you. Say, but me. Number one, he said, Timothy, this is how you're going to keep moving forward. Follow my example and the truth. Follow. Everyone say, follow. Now, I want you to understand something. When you get into the middle of adversity, it is very important that you know who or what you're following. Because if you don't know who or what you're following, and let me just clarify that, truth is not just a what, truth is a who. (laughs) Sometimes we act like the truth is some ethereal abstract thing floating around and oh, if I could just find the truth. No, the truth is a person. Jesus said, the Bible said of Jesus, he is the way, the truth, and the life. The truth is not just something, the truth is someone. And the most important person you can follow as you walk through the adversity of life is the person Jesus. It's why the writer of Hebrews said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is now set down on the right hand of God. What does that mean? Look to a man who who didn't run from Calvary. He embraced Calvary, knowing that after Calvary, there would be an inheritance of souls and family that the world would never be able to count or know. Follow Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Matthew 16, verse 24, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross. Follow me. Timothy, there's one, there's one thing you must do when you get in an adverse situation. Don't stop following the truth. How many people get into a bad situation and they quit following Jesus? What is going on? He's the only one that can lead you out of it. (laughs) How many have ever been somewhere and you had to follow a guide? Anyone? A a trip or a, you know, expedition or something? I have. I've been fishing with people before who knew where the fish were. I've been fishing with people who said they knew where the fish were and didn't know how to bait a hook. There's a real travesty in following someone who doesn't know what they're doing or where they're going. Jesus knows where he's going. And he knows how to get you to where you're supposed to go. Look at your neighbor and say, follow Jesus. You got to keep following him. And Timothy, you are following the truth. The truth that I preach to you. And it's not just the truth that I preach to you. It's the truth that your grandmother and your mother gave you as a child. And I know that there are a lot of people who want you to forget the Bible stories that they taught you when you were growing up in Sunday school. Lord Jesus, somebody's watching me right now online and you're running so far from God and the enemies told you you've gone too far. I want you to remember those stories your mama told you, young man, while you were a boy, how Jesus saves and Jesus loves, how David killed Goliath and how the fire couldn't kill Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Just remember. Remember the scriptures because if you'll listen to them and follow them, they'll lead you to where you're supposed to be. Follow the truth. Then the second thing he says, watch this. This is all in chapter 10. Not only have you closely followed my example, but you've modeled your life after me and the love and the endurance that I displayed. Not only do we need to keep following Jesus and following those who have set an example for us, but we need to model our lives. We need some good models. I thought about this as I was praying this morning. We need role models in the church. Why should all of our children be forced to follow people in pop culture? Now, I'm not mad at pop culture because I believe people in pop culture are about to see the goodness of God and get born again. And I'm not just talking about after you win the Super Bowl and the man that, st- I, I want to thank God. You don't even know who God is. And now you want to thank him. I'm not talking about that kind of 
relationship with God. I'm talking about men who are godless getting born again because the, the love of Jesus compels them. We need that to happen in pop culture. I want to tell you something, though. We need for our children to have godly role models that demonstrate the way of life. Paul said, you have modeled your life like, like I've modeled mine. You set your priorities right. There's a scripture over in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. And this is what Paul says to the church at Corinth. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Can you imagine Paul having the courage? You'd say, oh, that sounds awful arrogant for Paul to say, follow me as I follow Christ. Be imitators of me as I follow Christ. That's not, that's not arrogance. Paul is simply convinced that as he follows Jesus, his life becomes the kind of life that can be a worthy model for a younger spiritual son to follow. I want to do two things in this point. I want to first of all say, if you're going through adversity, find somebody who's been there and come out on the other side and model your life like them. If you're going through a rough marriage spell, don't be trying to find counselors down at the hoot nanny. You need some of those 70-year-old saints been married for 55 years who came through three world wars and almost divorced 100 times but still love each other and are walking together and are still married. If you're going through a rough marriage spell, you don't need somebody who's on number six to be your counselor. I need to hear an amen or something. You need a model that can model the way. I want in the most adverse seasons of my life to have men and women of God in my life who can help me know how to prioritize and show me how they made it through and then I can imitate. That's a bad word for some people. But in the Greek, it's literally where we get the word mimic, mime. Do what I do. Most of the time, we don't point children in our direction to look at us as models because we feel like our example is too insufficient. And we don't want them to look at our lives and all the flaws and failures and follow us because we know how messed up we are. But I'm going to tell you right now, and my children will tell you this, the most impactful moments of our life are when we take off the Superman badge and explain to our children, or even those who follow us, I don't have it all together and haven't it always been like this, and but for the grace and mercy of God, I wouldn't even be here today. I had a long talk with one of my boys last night, and he was asking me about a preacher and, and what had happened to him at some point in the past. And, about his fall. And I said to him, son, it is a reminder to always keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep modeling the way. In adversity, in success, in victory, keep imitating and modeling your life after those godly people. Jesus being the perfect picture. And then he puts those people into our life on planet earth who can show us how to build a life consistent with one who follows Jesus. Number three, and I'm almost through. Number three, it's there. Uh, not only have you followed and modeled, but then watch this, what I have hungered for, you have now become hungry for as well. When you get into adversity, don't change your appetite. Don't change what fills you up. When you get into adversity, see, how many have ever been on the keto thing? Come on, don't lie, you'll go to hell. Keto. 
Yes, keto works for me until Krispy Kreme. There's a devil in that red flashing light. I mean, I can do well for 12 days, lose nine pounds, feel like Hercules, drive down Brainerd Road on my way to get a coffee, but my mind is really playing a trick on me. It's trying to get me in the vicinity and the zip code of the red flashing light, and all of a sudden, I no longer want almonds. my appetite changes and I see a chocolate-covered, cream-filled donut. And they put those eight-foot pictures of them on the front of the store and it looks like the donut would fit me and I want to jump into the cream. (laughs) My appetite changes. I want one right now. My appetite changes. When you get into adversity, Paul said to Timothy, stay hungry for what matters. Stay hungry for Jesus. Stay hungry for God. Too many people lose their hunger for God. How do I know if I've lost my hunger for God? Are you easily filled by other things? Are you easily distracted by the things of this world and the cares of life? Are you easily pulled away or do you still want to know him? Can you imagine Paul saying this in the book of Philippians? A man that has been beaten almost within an inch of his life twice, left shipwrecked, heard things that were unlawful to be uttered. He saw Jesus on the road to Damascus and near the end of his journey, this Paul who wrote a third of the New Testament is not saying I've had enough. He's saying, oh, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Stay hungry for God. And then finally this. Not only did Paul admonish Timothy to keep following and modeling and staying hungry, but then he looked at Timothy and he says to Timothy, next verse, and what I have endured, next verse, what I have endured you have also endured. Here's the deal. When you are faced with adversity, you've got to endure. The old saints just knew how to do this. It's like they tied a knot in the end of the rope, hell in high water, and just kept on trusting Jesus. What What are we doing in the modern church? I think we got to be careful that we don't get confused between raising disciples and raising daters. Daters. Just follow Jesus when you feel good and he's taking you out on a date, paying for your meal. Bell hop in the sky, make my dreams come true, and we're all right. But a disciple has no other options. We have cut the entire anchor, and we are rolling with Jesus, hell or high water. That's what the word endure means. It literally means to bear up under or to carry. Paul tells Timothy, when adversity and trial and perilous times come, here's what Paul tells Timothy. He doesn't say, hey, bro, just, you know, when it gets rough, check out for a few months, run from God, everything will be fine. He says, Timothy, look what I went through. You want to know what Paul is talking about at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra? Go read Acts chapter 14 and 13. He goes to these three places as the apostle of God and everywhere he preaches, they try to kill him. In fact, at Lystra, the man of God got under such an anointing and began to preach. And while he's preaching, a lame man hears the preaching of Paul and he has faith to believe for healing and he jumps up on his feet and he takes off running and gets healed in the middle of the sermon. 
everybody starts going, oh, wow. And they call Paul a God. And when Paul rebukes them, because people are fickle, the same people that called Paul a God for healing the lame man, he looks at them and says, I'm not a God, I'm a man just like you. This wasn't by my power, this was the power of Jesus. And the same people that called him a God picked up stones and tried to kill him. And he's laying in a pool of his own blood. One translation says he was half dead. They literally picked up stones and stoned him at Lystra. He's laying in a pool of his own blood. The apostle of God? Yes. Why? Because difficult times come. Can you imagine Paul being there, laying in a pool of his blood, saying, I ain't serving the Lord no more. I didn't sign up for this. Oh, no, not that Paul. Not that Paul. That Paul couldn't quit then. He couldn't give up the faith then. Why? Because he remembered his eyes when he saw him on the road to Damascus. He remembered the look on his face. He remembered the love that he poured in his heart. And he said, no matter what I've got to go through, I've got to hold on. This man, Jesus, changed my life. And he gets up out of that place of near death. And what does he do? Read the text. It's in Acts 13 and 14. He shakes the dust off his feet and he just keeps on preaching. What's the point, Timothy? You're going to go through some stuff. You're going to battle sickness. I don't receive that. I didn't say it was going to have to overcome you. I said you're going to battle it. The good news is he's a healer. Jesus is a healer. You're going to fight some principalities and powers. You're going to be up at night sometimes wrestling. Don't negatively prophesy over me. I'm not. I'm trying to help you make sense of what you're going through. Just because you go through it doesn't mean you're not saved and God doesn't love you and the devil's bigger than God and that God doesn't protect you. In the middle of it all, Paul said, God delivered me out of every single thing I went through. I'm getting ready to stop preaching. But I wish I could find about 30 people who can testify. I've been through some hell and some high water. But every single time it looked like the devil had the upper hand, God stepped in and delivered me out of it all. Some through the water, some through the flood, some through the fire. But all of us have come through the blood of Jesus. Somebody give him praise in this room right now. He's never lost a battle. I said God has never lost a battle. What do you do when you're faced with adversity, Timothy? Do you stop and push pause? I'm through. Stand with me. Do you just, do you just stop? Do you go back? Oh, no. You keep advancing. That's what he said. You, verse 14, put it up there. I want them to get excited one more time about this verse. You continue to advance in strength. I'm going through. <laughs> Y'all don't know this one. I'm going through. I'll pay the price. Whatever others do, I'll take the way with the Lord's chosen few. For I've started in Jesus and I'm going through. Don't that tell. There's an old woman in my ch church growing up. She wasn't old. She was seasoned. We don't have old people. We have seasoned people. She used to sing this song. I've got one more river to cross. One more mountain to climb. I've got one more valley that i got to go through, leaving my troubles behind. I've got one more battle with the devil, and I know he'll understand. 
understand that I'm going through with Jesus. Hallelujah. Holding to his nail scarred hand. Holding to his nail. I feel him. 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 I'm going to sing it again. I got one more river to cross. I got one more mountain to climb. I've got one more valley that I got to go through, leaving my troubles behind. I got one more battle with the devil, and I know he'll understand that I'm going through with Jesus. Hallelujah. Hold him to his nail scarred hand. Hold him to his nail scarred I better go back there and change my clothes because I feel a dancing fit about to get all over my feet. I feel joy rising in here this morning. I feel like somebody going through adversity is getting ready to pick themselves up off the ground. It's time to follow Jesus. It's time to model the way. It's time to get hungry for God again. And it's time to make up your mind that I, I'm going to keep on following the Lord and I'm going to walk with him to the end to see what the end might be. Jesus. You're going, listen, the last verse of this text says this. You'll be fully equipped to complete every assignment God ever gives you. Can you lift your hands and thank him for that? I think we ought to take a minute right here and just thank him. That no matter what the assignment is, no matter how big and impossible it seems, everything I need to do what he called me to do, come on. Can you thank him that everything you need to do everything you, he called you to do? Come on, thank him that he's got it covered. You're fully furnished. You're fully furnished. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Pastor Kevin, you preached to me today. Would you pray for me because I need to get saved. I need to give my heart to Jesus. I want the Lord to be the Lord of my life and come into my heart. Would you stay? Would you pray for me today, Pastor Kevin? I want Jesus to save me. If you're away from God, I don't care if you've never known Jesus or you've known him and you're a million miles away from him this morning. If you want him to come into your heart and change your life, give you fresh life again. Lift your hand when I say three and say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to give my heart to the Lord. One, two, three, right now. Anybody at all? Anybody at all? God bless you. You can put your hand down. If you're watching me online or if you're watching on television right now and you would say, Pastor Kevin, I need to get my heart to Jesus. I just want you to type in that message box or send a message to us. All you got to do is put saved, S-A-V-E-D. I want to get saved. I want the Lord to rescue me and I want him to forgive me and cleanse me. If you'll do that, somebody from our team is going to reach out to you. We're going to make sure that you know what it is to be born again. Make sure you have a Bible. Make sure you know you have a church family that loves you and we want to pray for you and help you on this journey. How many need to advance today? I want to pray for the body of Christ before we leave. How many want to advance in adverse times, in adverse climates and environments? How many need the strength of God right now in your life? Lift your hands if you want God's strength to rise up in you. Father, all over this room right now, I lift my hand because I'm in need. I want to be strengthened today. Holy Spirit, in my inner man, I want more of you, God. I want more of you, Holy Spirit. I need more of your strength, and I need more of your life, and I need more of your presence, and I'm thankful, Lord, that in every adverse environment, you cause your people to move forward, and today it is no different for us in this generation. We are not stopping or moving back. Today we declare by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the grace of our loving Savior, Jesus the Christ, we are moving forward in his name and for his glory. And we thank you that every assignment, oh, come on, if you know you're on an assignment, lift your hands. Every assignment that they've been called to, every place you're sending them to, every open door you put before them, every big dream, I keep hearing this. Hold on. I keep hearing this. Somebody in this room today knows they're on an assignment, but it feels much bigger than you can handle. And it feels much bigger than you're equipped to deal with. And you're, over, you're almost overwhelmed by the assignment. 
If I'm talking to you, throw your hands up right now. It ain't everybody, but I know it's somebody. It just seems so big sometimes. Throw your hands up. I'm, I don't want you to be ashamed. We're family. If there's somebody near you right now, gently lay your hand on their shoulder if you come with them. Because today, the grace of God is coming on them. That assignment is not too big for you, sir. It is not too big for you, sir. It is not too big for you, ma'am. The God who called you to it will finish it, establish it, and perfect it. Ha! Jesus! Come on, pray all over the church right now. Everybody praying for these brothers and sisters. Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters right now. Those that lifted their hand, I thank you that today strength is rising as they wait upon the Lord. Strength is coming upon them. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and will not faint. You are not going to faint. You are not going to quit. You are going to endure to the end. And you're going to see the glory of God manifested in every situation. And I declare it to be done now by the power of the Spirit and the promise of the Word in Jesus' name. Now let's all give God praise all over this room. Come on. Nope. That's a patty cake praise on the way to a restaurant. Somebody give God a praise. Hallelujah. I want you to praise him that he who has begun a good work will be faithful to finish what is taught. Woo. Hallelujah. May the blessing of the Lord be upon you. I want to say this before you have to go and we go by row if we can. I miss hugging everybody. I miss shaking everybody's hand in the lobby, but we can't do it right now. I hope you know why. But I want you to just open your hands up. Let me give you a big air hug right now. Ugh. I love you. Remember, no Wednesday night this coming Wednesday. Go in the peace of the Lord. Be blessed. We love you. And we'll see you Friday night right here at 7 p.m. God bless.